0: Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Wachs have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWLawyers.com. That's GTWLawyers. Welcome to another podcast. It's Lies office.com brought to you by the Operating Engineers, Local 139, Madison Teamsters, Local 695. Joining us now from the Milwaukee Area Service and Hospitality Workers, Peter Rickman. Peter, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure.
0: All right. Let me start out with this clip from CNBC. This is from, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so. Uh, it has to do with Howard Schultz and Starbucks.
2: Hey, Kelly, the union alleging in that filing that Starbucks via comments made by interim CEO Schultz violated the National Labor Relations Act, the the charge filed with the NLRB stems from these comments that were made by Schultz to U.S. store leaders last month that the company was reviewing its benefits program, but that new benefits couldn't legally be extended to stores that have unionized without separately negotiated contracts. Now the union alleges, quote, Schultz's comments had an immediate and profound chilling effect on organizing campaigns nationwide in a letter obtained by CNBC from its council to the NLRB in Seattle. It offers workers to testify that Starbucks baristas read about the comments in media reports shortly before voting, and some pulled their support last minute, as a result costing a union win at one location in Virginia. It also claims that store managers have, quote, parroted the comments, having a coercive effect on unionizing. Now, Starbucks defended Schultz in a statement to CNBC, saying, quote, this is not a matter of Howard's choice or opinion. This is the law. Any new benefit cannot be unilaterally given to stores that have voted to unionize during collective bargaining. Howard remains focused on moving quickly to build the future of Starbucks with partners together side by side. So once again, more back and forth here, but really for the first time that we've seen the union actually naming Schultz's actions in particular, saying that they were in violation of this federal law.
0: Your thoughts? Uh, Really breaking news
1: here, Sly. You know, Uh, Rich CEO doesn't like the idea that workers might actually organize a union to balance the power out here. You know, (laughs) shocking underground uh, reports and uncover anti-union bullshit from uh, from major corporate CEO here. Yeah, really digging deep here on that one. I think that uh, you know this is uh, this is a sign of the times, Sly. That there's. the CEO of one of the leading corporate brands in America, uh, being essentially called out for their anti-union conduct, and it's hurting the company. Uh, It's a sign of the times here that workers in uh, places like Starbucks, but certainly plenty more, which we should definitely get to talking about, are organizing unions. And, you know, whether it's the Starbucks campaign that has swept the country with over 100 places now uh, having voted to unionize, some with unanimous votes, the vast majority of them with sizable majority. Or we're thinking about Apple stores where workers are organizing or the Amazon warehouses that are starting to become a hotbed of union activity, including the one in Staten Island where Jeff Bezos uh, took, a, took a beating uh, from an upstart independent union. You <clears throat> can even look at college campuses where it includes not just adjunct faculty and non-tenure track. Faculty of different stripes, but even undergraduate dining hall workers um, organizing unions. This is exploding across the country. By and what Howard Schultz is articulating uh, probably speaks for the corporate executives of America. Bear bear in mind here: this is the same class of people who've destroyed the middle class that that <clears throat> you know once was the the pride of this country and uh, a beacon around the world for what happens when. Capitalism can be channeled into uh, growth for the benefit of the many, not just the few. <clears throat> Obviously, some,
2: some real problems
1: with that, too. But, you know, Howard Schultz going on the offensive does speak for the CEOs of America. But the truth is the voice of working class people coming together, organizing, fighting and winning through our unions is the chance that we have to you know speak louder than them. And get what we working people in this country need, whether it's in a factory or foundry or it's a bartender or barista.
0: you've been able to watch enough of these union votes. Uh, why do some fail and some succeed?
1: are Are you asking more generally here mm-hmm. or you know yeah. okay well there's, there's a few things why one, <clears throat> there's a labor law that over time has been twisted by administrative, regulatory action, court decisions to substantially favor the rights of employers. The, your listeners, I think, are going to you know, have their mind blown by this, so please sit down if you're not prepared. If you're on heart medication, you may want to grab a, that and a glass of water. But, but CEOs like Howard Schultz and management in general across the country, under our labor law, have what's considered a right to free speech, where they are literally allowed to lie to workers about unions it's 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 accepted
0: well that, the, pol- the police are allowed to lie during an interrogation with suspect. Well, a suspect it's, <laughs>
1: it's 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 a total affront to the democratic values of this country lowercase d democratic values whether it's cops or bosses lying to people um but you know uh... ceos and and corporate uh... management you know the boss class they're allowed to lie mislead um... And, uh, and get away with, uh, with telling folks things that are just not true about unions and, and build upon the corporate propaganda here of the past 50 years about uh, why unions are bad. Although I think it's really powerful here. It says a lot, Fly, that 75% of the population thinks unions are good and, and want more influence for unions in America, despite that corporate propaganda offensive. Um, there are a bunch of other things here, too. You know, the, the, the win bosses break the law as as meager as our labor law is in terms of protecting workers' rights to organize, the penalties are basically a slap on the wrist. So uh, the bosses in a lot of union organizing campaigns just wantonly violate the law and say, well, what's the NLRB going to do about it? Um, There's a whole host of other problems here. I, I don't think listeners really want to go into the depth and detail of every last thing, although I'm happy to do so, uh it's, it's just a labor law that, you know, originally in the 1930s was written to facilitate collective bargaining, uh, something that was seen as a fundamental good and a way to ensure that the prosperity that was being generated by this mighty capitalist machine could also be shared with working people. That was the stated intent. But now our labor law has really been twisted around so much <clears throat> that it doesn't facilitate workers organizing unions. And when folks do go to NLRB elections and win, it is uh, heroic that that workers organize through and around that. Um, So, you know, what's going on with the Starbucks Workers United around the country or the other folks that I've referenced here, organizing units, it's not just a testament to their fantastic, you know, organizing campaigns and their steely determination and just so many other superlatives. Um, I think it also does herald slide that there is a tide being turned in this country. Not only were well, folks saying, yeah,
0: unions are good. I, folks that said unions I, are good, I, I see that. that. For years, unions were not on the radar of young people. And and that is changing. Let me. You went to the University of Wisconsin. And while I'm sure you didn't spend a lot of time at Granger Hall, uh, you certainly know that we always talk about indoctrination in colleges and the political yeah. right. It talks about that. How much of the institute, the 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 institutions that teach young people to go to business school indoctrinate them with the Howard Schultz attitude, and does that where some of this really starts?
1: Well, I'm I'm sure that it does. I mean, I I uh, I didn't spend any time in Granger Hall except well, to do uh, you what, know o- orientation for for some of the the graduate students there who were also teaching and research and project assistant in my capacity as the uh, Principal officer of the, the the Graduate Student Workers Union there, the TAA. Um, I I haven't spent a lot of time in MBA classes. I did a uh, I did in, in in undergraduate take some classes uh, in human resources. Um, and you know I lucked out. Fly. So I, I had a I had a, a professor in, in the at, at Miami University, the Richard T. Farmer School of Business. By the way, named for Richard T. Farmer. The head of syntax, one of the most anti-union people uh, in, in corporate America in the past hundred years, um, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have a professor there who had once worked for the NLRB as a as a third party neutral. Um, and even in those classes, just the textbooks that were used in in human resources classes talked about unions as a third party, as sort of this illegitimate outside entity coming in, or talked about how unions inherently alter the labor market or impact the operation of a company. And there's a grain of truth, even in that propagandizing, yeah, unions do alter the operation of a company. They, they put workers in an equal playing field, on an equal footing with bosses. And yeah, they do raise costs for uh, companies. They put the cost of labor a little bit higher by paying workers more. Yeah, those are good things. <clears throat> but All right. certainly that propagandizing does exist.
0: So let's let's bring this to what's happening in Wisconsin today. The Paps Theater Group workers have voted to form a union even after the company that owns the Paps Riverside and Turner Hall, if I'm not mistaken, uh fought this. The election was 34 to 2. And I'm reading a quote from a what is it, Kaylee Humphrey. And she, sa- she said something, she said something kind of interesting. She goes, uh I think the spectrum for what a union could be is definitely broadening. uh, broadening. Explain that to me. And from her, you know, you can't speak for her, but in the eyes of the, the, the people that are looking to unionize workplaces all over Wisconsin, what does that mean?
1: Well, let me lay out a little bit of the picture here, Sly. You know, the history that, you know, your listeners... Uh, here will uniquely have access to because it's not something that's reported in the pages of the of the the conventional press that's out there. I think it's actually pretty important here. And going back to the days before COVID-19 hit, a group of workers from the PAP Theater Group got in touch with us. They had heard about what had happened with workers organizing at the Pfizer Forum and the kind of union contracts they had won and said, you know, we're not sure if that's exactly what we want to have but we know that we need to have some power in the workplace, and so we want to we want to explore this. And so, Mass, the Milwaukee Area Service and Hospitality Workers Union, started working with this group of workers. Um, and it wasn't, you know, intending to just, you know, run at uh, a union election to to win recognition and bargain a contract. Uh, the approach that we took was about taking on issues that mattered to them and helping them figure out how to build their power so that. Uh, we could wouldn't just win a union election but could deliver behind that because that's what workers wanted they didn't just want to have a union in name; they wanted to be able to impact the issues that mattered to them and it wasn't just wages uh it was things about communication in the workplace and holding management accountable when management says x they can turn around and say why when there's not a union contract um and then change their mind to z two days later but with a, a union and a contract these workers that we want to be able to get management to say X and do X. Um, and I want to return to that here. The, the pandemic threw things off, but it forced us to work together, NASH and the and the nascent PAP Data Group Workers Union, on other things that mattered to them. Uh, and, you know, that ranged from health and safety issues when returning to work to, even at the outset of the pandemic, you know, pursuing public uh, benefits, unemployment, Uh, for folks. So the union for them was something about having a collective vehicle to address things that matter to them as working people. And then as folks came back to work in in the days after the pandemic, that organizing operation really ramped up and built to the point where 80% plus of the 65 or so workers employed by the Pop theater group uh, to, to run their venues uh, not only signed union authorization cards calling to be represented in collective bargaining, but actually signed union membership cards saying, you know what, I want to pay dues to an organization that I get to control. And, you know, they were quite studious over the course of this organizing effort by going into uh, the, the point in time when they finally got their union election, despite management uh, attempts not only to withstand their call for union recognition, but to even oppose uh, that choice of unionization in the, in the NLRB election. Obviously, workers rejected that astoundingly with 96 percent voting union yes for MASH. Uh, the workers kept this from being just about there's one issue or it's just about wages or we want X, Y and Z and that's why we're unionizing. It was really about workers saying we want to have a voice and a seat at the table on everything that matters to us. And that includes policies and decisions being made about how the the company operates, but also workers wanting to sanctify and protect what really makes this kind of job something that matters to them. You know, the folks who operate the PTG venues, world-class historic venues, do this, not just because they need a job, but everyone does, but because they really see themselves as part of the arts and culture and entertainment industry. Workers make those industries go around and they wanted to protect what makes that work so great to them so you know the answer to your question fly and you know whether it's kaylee articulating that or any of the other uh you know nearly two dozen people who participated in some way on, on our organizing committee uh so about a third of the workforce actually being part of the organizing committee you know they really said we need a voice and a seat at the table to fight for everything that matters to us as art culture and entertainment workers And, you know, yes, wages and economics are going to be part of that. But this is part of the turn, I think, here, Sly, with the generation that includes millennials and and, and younger than that, where it's about having some kind of say in what's going on. And it's about being able to look at anything that might come up and articulate a point of view and have it taken seriously by management. Um, So, you know, the, the, the broadening scope here for these workers is about transforming the nature of work and the role that working people have in their workplaces, in their employers, in in, in the economy more broadly. And I, I think that's really part of what's making this exciting. Is you know it's not going to be headed off just by wages going up. Obviously, we're seeing that, or you know a a, a concession thrown their way by a given boss or or by the government or, or whatever it happens to be.
0: No, it's about uh, think- workers
1: are demanding a voice and a seat at the table.
0: We'll take a break. Peter Rickman, Milwaukee Area Service and Hospitality Workers at Sly'sOffice.com. I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep Sly'sOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date. Whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695 or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from Sly's Office.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. We're back at Sly's Office.com, brought to you by our friends at Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic. Peter Rickman with us. We're talking a little bit about uh, some of the union organizing that's going on in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and of uh, the world, for that matter. And Peter, we, you know, we talked about the paths Theater Group. Uh, obviously, what happened at the Pfizer Forum, that, that was extremely cutting edge, but there's a there's a lot of places that have yet to organize there's a a couple new music venues that are going to be coming into play in the Milwaukee area one at the site of the old Bradley Center and the other on the the where the old Ramada hotel is is standing right now near Marquette uh what do you, do you view those as opportunities yeah i
1: think that uh let me just reflect on something here slide before i answer that question directly how important is it that you're talking on a podcast here a media outlet with some reach about union organizing i mean that that's just really incredible here and i think you know it's it's, it's so vital that there are voices in media like you that talk about union organizing not just you know unions are good, but here's what's going on with workers actually organizing. I just I had to reflect on that. Well,
0: let's put it in perspective. Think about uh, how we got to be friends. It was the 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 fight over Act Ten, and uh. just a devastating blow to labor in uh. Wisconsin. And uh, we pay have paid a big price for that. Uh, so from the from the ashes, this is the phoenix. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, rising the Yeah,
0: because well, yeah, you know you're, you're playing the long game here, uh, and think about all the, oh, uh, who, who's the professor uh, who retired from? Uh, was it M.A.T.C.? Is uh, it Mike Rosen?
1: Mike Rosen. Yeah. One of, my, one of my mentors and
0: friends. The piece that he wrote about what happened to Milwaukee and the labor busting. Uh, that went on even before NAFTA and all the other you know terrible policies that gutted the industrial base milwaukee was and he quotes this he quotes the Wall Street Journal that wrote a piece Milwaukee was the star of the snow belt African American wages in Milwaukee were higher than they were by average in America. There was something really good going on, but the pernicious capitalists uh, decided that workers were in concentrated factories, way too easy to organize, and they decided to break that up. This didn't happen by accident.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, and, and Michael and I and some of our, uh, our our collaborators and comrades, like Bruce Colburn, another tremendous labor leader of that vintage, um, you know, I've talked a lot about how the 1973 meat cutters strike. <clears throat> that was broken by the uh, the bosses. You know, was it heralded the approach that that came to be enshrined in in, in history and in popular memory with the, the PATCO operation of Ronald Reagan that that signaled open season on unions around the country. We saw it play out, you know, tremendously. And and you know, we've sort of worked with this this idea that. What happens in Milwaukee doesn't just stay in Milwaukee. What happens in Wisconsin doesn't stay in Wisconsin. And you know, we saw that obviously in the in a similar direction with Scott Walker and actually. Well, of, and
0: that's why we, that was that that was Scott Walker's model for doing wow. what he did when he when he invited all his chieftains to the executive residence in Maple Bluff, and they sat around the table, and he toasted Ronald Reagan to that moment. He actually used that moment as his impetus for doing this.
1: And and so I think you know the, the flip side to that is what we can do in Milwaukee and what we can do in Wisconsin will project beyond our borders. I, I think that's always actually been true for some reason. I don't know. It just is. Uh, but that's what makes this organizing that is happening now in Milwaukee and and the the model that we're building here, you know, an industrial and sectoral approach so important. Just just imagine, Sly, si, if if we took. Every service sector job around the country in any given labor market, and said, you know, these part-time jobs, or these uh, these you know uh, these, these jobs that people have to work multiple of to be able to support themselves and the family, and that don't have health insurance, don't have pensions. You know, what if we combined that together and said all the employers in the service industry in a given town are going to sit at a table and negotiate with uh, with representatives of workers and and they're going to agree upon one wage standard across the the jobs that people have. Every cook, no matter where they work, they're going to make X dollars per hour. Uh, And maybe we'll have some differentials for folks with additional skills and training or people who work different shifts, but, you know, it'll be standard across the board. And what if all those service sector employees in uh, in a given market agreed to contribute their fair share based upon the number of hours they have folks working to a health insurance and a retirement fund that followed workers no matter you know where they're employed and what if we had something there at the center of the labor market here that all the employers dealt with that uh, that was that was the, the the intermediary or the hiring hall the dispatch place for for workers that helps employers meet their needs with the the labor they need finding the cooks that they need when they need them and takes care of coordinating all that that um... uh... part-time work uh, across the, the labor market i mean that that sounds like the sort of thing that might actually work for employers as well as workers alike. And that's what we're looking to build here in the service industry in Milwaukee. And we think if we can do it in Milwaukee, it's gonna go elsewhere. And, and we started doing that, as you noted, with the Workers at Serve Forum. And we're building that with what's happened with the PTG operation. Bear in mind, this is a company that runs five venues, potentially soon to be six. Um, and as you referenced, there's a proposed uh, couple of venues coming down to the Deer District. <clears throat> I think some of your listeners who've heard me yak on here before recognize the slide, but just in case folks don't know, there's a a community benefits agreement that actually covers all the development in the the Deer District there. There's there's some exceptions, but generally speaking, what it says is that uh, the operations that come in there uh, when it comes to service sector work have to either be covered by a union contract or signed an organizing rights agreement, amongst other things. So when Frank Productions talks about building a new 4,000-seat venue and, eight, and another 800-person venue on the site of the old Bradley Center. They're not just talking about building an entertainment venue. They're talking about building an entertainment venue that's going to be run union. And that union operation, along with those workers organized through the PAP Theater Group and across the street at Deer District in the Fiserv Forum, that starts to be not just the, the core but an expanding operation to do the kinds of things that I'm talking about there. Um, so this is a really important victory here with the PAP Theater Group workers organizing because it really does broaden and get us um, into a place where we're setting a standard here that the service sector in Milwaukee, we're going. this is going to be a union town once again. It's not going to be factories and foundries here, but we're building that the hospitality industry, the entertainment industry, the tourism work. This is all going to be a union town, and we can do it in a different way, not just banana stand by banana stand, workplace by workplace, employer by employer, but getting that industry-wide agreement. <clears throat> so when Frank Productions is coming downtown Milwaukee, this is a, they're building a, a venue, a couple venues, that are going to be unions because of the work that we've already done and because they recognize workers are organizing and demanding unions. This isn't something to fight about. This is something to start working with.
0: So what about the workers but, at, at the, uh, the old Milwaukee Arena, the Panther Arena, or the Miller High Life Theater, or any of, the other, uh, any of the other venues in town?
1: Uh, so the uh, the highlight theater—that's a good one to point out. Fly. That is uh, that is actually going to be operated now by the Papp Theater Group. So when sixty-five-ish workers uh, employed by Papp Theater Group, just organized through this NLRB election, that's the number that's going to be growing to be able to operate uh, the Miller Highlight Theater. Um, and and actually, you know, the, the Papp Theater Group is part of a set of forces looking to develop what they're calling the iron district you you mentioned this over by marquette um the uh the southwest part of downtown milwaukee and there's talk about building uh, a full service hotel there of 140 keys uh, a soccer stadium uh an, a venue uh for 3,500 people and a, another venue for 800 people as well too uh, to be operated there by the paps theater group and the soccer stadium and and the hotel by uh, An outfit called Bear Development and the, and the Capco family of companies, you know, they're talking about building a, a mixed-use entertainment district there in the southwest side of Milwaukee. Now, if the Deer District can be union, what's good for the Deer District ought to be good for the Iron District too. And you know, Pat Theater Group operating those venues, obviously, that'll those will be union. But what happens with that soccer stadium? What happens with that hotel? really going to be definitional for whether we can, in fact, build this hospitality, entertainment, and tourism industry thing in Milwaukee to be uh, a union shop. So these questions about what sort of additional developments happen and whether they're going to be union or not, whether they're going to be part of this new Milwaukee standard, have pretty big ramifications, not only for the service sector workers here in Milwaukee, but like we were saying before, what happens in Milwaukee doesn't stay in Milwaukee. What happens in Wisconsin doesn't stay in Wisconsin.
0: Well, let's, so if we can
1: build this industry model, we can take that across the country and organize the whole of the service industry.
0: What about the workers at American Family Field or the workers at American Family Amphitheater and the Summerfest grounds? What about the Orpheum in Madison or the Overture <laughs> Project in Ma- Madison? What about the you know what about any of the venues outstate?
1: well, I think you know what what we've seen here is that there are some vestiges in Milwaukee, Madison, etc from a time when this was a this was a, a real strong union town um and that translated into some aspects of the service industry so for example you you know you noted amfam field amfam field uh the bulk of the food and beverage operation there and the uh, the folks who operate the stadium, our union, obviously we all know the MLB Players Association uh exists, you know, the the owners tried to tussle with them before the season started. Um but, you know, they're they're like they exist on to their own. And you reference the Wisconsin Center District, some of the other venues. There's some union uh represented folks there, not wall to wall. But these things are you know, they stand onto themselves, and I think what's really going to transform service sector work, particularly the hospitality, entertainment, and tourism sector here, Sly, si, is by knitting that together and doing what I described before, getting all those employers and operations at a table with representatives of workers, you know, one union, a couple unions. Uh, actually, the, the folks who are working at AmFam Field representing the food and beverage workers are some of those who are doing the Starbucks work organizing. That's, that's really exciting. Uh, linking this all together, but we've got to build industry-wide operations here for labor standards, for contract bargaining, um, and you know, get these employers to see themselves as part of a larger ecosystem. You know, when an employer and an operation gets to think of themselves just only, uh, you know, on their own, it just it breeds this idea that labor is a cost, labor is a commodity, as opposed to bringing them together. That's part of a larger ecosystem with the other employers and operators. And it's fine if you want to compete against one another on, on any number of other things. But you shouldn't get to compete against one another on the basis of who can sweat labor costs the most. So, yes, there are things like, you know, those other operations that you mentioned, other other venues, other places. But really the fundamental challenge here is bringing it together so we have 100% wall-to-wall trade unionism amongst hospitality, entertainment, tourism workers here in Milwaukee. Because when we do that and we can uh, build this industry-wide, this sector-wide table, raise standards, change the way these jobs work, that's how we can transform the lives of the working people who run these world-class venues.
0: Finally, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the Republican RNC coming to Milwaukee, um, and and your thoughts about that, uh, and and how and a lot of people think it's just an automatic plus for the people that you represent.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it. Look, I I want to take up one of the the parts of your question there, Sly. What do I think about it? Well, you know, the truth is, I don't know what what my opinion matters about it because you know, I don't really get a vote on it uh and you know it's it's happening outside of 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 just what the opinions of folks like us are we we just need to recognize that you know i, I did take note of something that was represented in a lot of the discussion and uh some of our members and i went on down to milwaukee city hall to insert ourselves into this part of the discussion you know it's, it's always you know represented whether it's an rnc coming to town or building some new thing uh in a in a given city or you know any anything represented by the business class about you know Milwaukee ought to do this or Madison ought to do that or we ought to do this in Wisconsin it's always just you know very sloppily and lazily asserted oh this is going to be good for working people oh it's going to be good for hospitality workers for the rnc to come here baloney if that's true let's get it in writing Let's get a promise made. You know, that's what we do all the time in the union movement. We don't just take bosses' promises and say, okay, yeah, if you say so. Because, like, we're not saps. Like, I like that voice, Peter. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, whatever you say, boss man? Oh, 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 oh boy. Um, <laughs> I like that I get to do some of my voices here. Um, you know, we, we don't just take that. And you know what? Any good business person wouldn't do that. They wouldn't say, oh, okay, yeah, whatever you say. They get things in writing. It's called a contract. And it's the way business transactions are structured globally, worldwide, everywhere. So the idea that we're just going to take these representations—that yeah, okay, all right—the RNC is going to be great for hospitality, entertainment, and tourism workers—is baloney. It's the height of ridiculousness. Lie. What we need to do is get these promises in writing. We need to start structuring these uh, these assertions and representations to to be you know accountable guarantees uh so you know our our organization here has gotten involved in the discussions about if the rnc does come what needs to happen and i'd say the same thing here about the dnc as well and i was part of those conversations then too Uh, our organization was to ensure that you know if the dnc comes we got to make sure that things are taken care of like the democrats are not exactly without fault when it comes to uh saying big things about what's good for working people and then failing to deliver. So, you know, this to me is not about the RNC, the DNC, or, you know, any number of other things, you know, Oh, well, let's just build a bigger convention center because we know it's going to do great things. You know, the truth is great things will happen to the extent that they are required to happen. So I think the the, the story is not yet written here on the RNC and Milwaukee slide. And we won't know anything until the, the final thing is the, uh, is is in the books if it does come but what we do know is this if there are going to be benefits for working people in the service and hospitality industries just allowing this to be you know something that's asserted and promised will not lead to that the only way it's going to happen is if we get it in writing with a community benefits agreement covering the service and hospitality operations here in milwaukee so that's what we're going to continue to work for let's get this in writing let's get it in writing that the iron district mixed-use development is going to Lead to good things for working people, just like what happened with the Deer District. Isn't anyway, it less than Isn't Sorry, it interesting,
0: ahead. though, a party that vilifies the city of Milwaukee and uh, structurally tried to throw out tens, thousands, hundreds of thousands of voters in Milwaukee and Madison would even consider coming back to the scene of the crime. It's really a remarkable thing. It's, uh, it's more than ironic, Mr. Rickman.
1: Uh, it is. I, I don't think you're wrong about that in many respects. But so I, I think that, you know, uh, the RNC, they, they want uh, they want Republicans to win Wisconsin in 2024. And I think they know that any little thing that they can do to <clears throat> to help ensure that, you know, the Milwaukee media market and media markets across the state are talking about Republicans and Republican ideas. For a stretch of time that summer is uh, is important uh, for for them to be able to to do so. Any little things they do to help them win Wisconsin is is pretty crucial. So you know, I, I don't know if you've if you've noticed this slide, but there are times when uh, Republicans are hypocritical uh, about things. I, I know it's it's. I, I I'm sorry, I should have given you that. Uh, hope you're sitting down, warning.
0: Incomprehensibly.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> So, uh, so maybe we can we can we can recut the tape and, and throw something in there first, you know. Uh, if you uh, are taking hard medication. well, all, all I face.
0: can say is I hope some of their more pugilistic supporters that stormed the Capitol don't show up in our state. Peter Rickman from the from the Milwaukee area service and hospitality workers. Thanks for coming on Sly's Office.
1: Thanks for having me, Sly.
0: Slysoffice Thanks a million. Bye bye.